You obviously know Kung Fu. Hi, my name's Katrina Durden. I'm the blonde zealot in Doctor Strange and the Caprian Street Fighter Resurrection. You're listening to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. <laughs> After the last episode, I said I was going to work my way through the Marvel Netflix series Iron Fist and report back to you. Well, gang, I tried. I really tried. But after six episodes, I'm tapping out. And while I'll recap each of the episodes I watched here, I'll also be giving you an alternative film to watch instead that has either Iron or Fist in the title. And no, they won't include any porn. No idea what an Iron Fist is. Sounds like a sex toy. When last we left Danny Rand, he was waking up in a hospital bed after being drugged by Joy Meacham. And for a moment, I thought there was going to be a cool twist to the story here, and we were going to find out that Danny was actually a mental patient who was acting on his memories, though even he can't discern if they're actually real or not. Then we would have gotten the double switch, and when we found out that he really was in fact Danny Rand, and he begins to accept and grow into his power and title as the Iron Fist. But that would be me giving the writers of the show way too much credit. So episode 2 is titled Shadow Hawk Takes Flight and like episode 1 is written by Scott Buck. Danny wakes up to a doctor trying to calm him down, only to find out that that doctor is actually just one of the mental patients of this really poorly supervised asylum. He offers to kill Danny, to release him from this prison of life, and on cue, the hospital staff rush in to stop him. They then start Danny on a cycle of meds to keep him in a drugged-up fog, which inhibits his ability to focus his chi into the iron fist. Later, that patient who wanted to kill him gets assigned to be Danny's hospital tour guide, because that makes sense. While in this medicated stupor, all Danny can do is recount broken bits of his memory from the plane crash, but this time to an actual Dr. Edmonds. In these memories, we do get a little bit more information as we're introduced to the two monks from Kunlun who rescued Danny from the wreckage. Dr. Edmonds challenges Danny about his story and produces a passport for a John Anderson bearing Danny's picture. Danny first denies it, but then later has to admit that he bought the passport so he could come back into the country. We also see that Danny is being reserved by someone via security cam. Meanwhile, Ward and Joy continue to run Rand, seemingly free of the Danny nonsense, but Joy can't seem to shake the feeling that maybe she's making a mistake. Colleen Wing, meanwhile, continues training her students and later gets offered a $50,000 bribe by Ward Meacham to sign some paperwork to help lock Danny away for a while. Harold Meacham decides that it's time that he see about Danny personally, and he visits him in the hospital where Danny is heavily sedated and learns that Danny, as the Iron Fist, is a sworn enemy of a group called The Hand, which intrigues him greatly. With the help of some M&Ms, Joy decides that Danny really is telling the truth, but Ward, still acting on Harold's orders, gets in her way and even goes so far as to arrange Danny's murder in the hospital. While being moved, Danny is thrown into a cell and attacked by Ward's goons, but the beating actually only serves to awaken Danny's iron fist, and he layeths the smacketh down. Fight scene. Okay, no really, I'm kidding. This is Iron Fist. This fight takes all of 8 seconds and about 30 poorly lit, closely cropped jump cuts. The big finale being the reveal of the awesome fury of the Iron Fist when he punches out a steel door and walks off into the night. Hey Colleen Wing, what did you think about the second episode? This was a fail. So instead of watching Shadowhawk Takes Flight, I suggest you watch The Iron Fisted Monk, where Sammo Hung plays Hawker, a student who's thrown into the middle of a turf war against the hated Manchu. It's also directed by Sammo Hung, and if you've ever seen a fight choreographed by him, then you know it's going to be a dynamic and exciting one that lasts well beyond 8 seconds. Hey, hey, stop, stop. 
In episode 3, titled Rolling Cannon Thunder Punch, at least we get a fight to open the show. But it's Colleen Wing and she's taking out some Meacham thugs who follow Danny to her school. Credit to Jessica Henwick here for doing a nice job of looking fleet and strong while taking on Ward's goons. Speaking of Ward, his little stunt against Danny in the last episode flew in the face of direct orders from Daddy Meacham, which earned him a rolling cannon thunder punch to the kidney from dear old dad himself in a show of tough love. Danny, meanwhile, is getting closer to Colleen as demonstrated in an excruciatingly lethargic sparring match slash kung fu foreplay, which would have earned me 20 push-ups in any martial arts class. He also tries to reconnect with Joy, but all she can do for him is an offer of $100 million to walk away from his company's shares and his name. Third time's a charm, however, is he tracks down Jerry Hogarth, the lawyer from Daredevil, who's managing the Rand estate. Somehow, Danny manages to convince her of his true identity in less than a minute, while he was absolutely unable to do the same to Joy and Ward, who he supposedly grew up with. Back at the penthouse, Harold Meacham is dealing with an unseen overseer who demands his loyalty and essentially makes him an indentured servant for some reason. But with all that drama going on, Danny's big quest is a hunt for an old x-ray from when he was 10 to help prove his identity for Hogarth. In the file room, he runs into another of Ward's thugs and somehow gets sucker punched, which, if nothing else, ignites the Iron Fist, which now makes me want to see Danny get hit as often as possible. Fight scene. Here, Danny calls up the power of the Iron Fist for all of one second, and then gets into a regular street brawl with the thug, who more than holds his own against the vaunted Iron Fist, and still manages to set the room on fire. The best scenes in this episode go to Colleen Wing as she takes on the moniker of the Daughter of the Dragon, and enters into some illegal cage-fighting matches for money to keep her school open. Fight scene. Again, Wing puts on a great show of flexibility, speed, and straight-up brutality against a much bigger and stronger opponent and Henwick makes it at least look really plausible. Elsewhere, there's a whole subplot of Danny trying to wrest control of his company back, but it's whiny and clumsy, but it does get Danny to tail Ward to the mysterious penthouse, where Danny tries to daredevil his way into a window and gets thrown from the top of the building. Hey, Madam Gao, what did you think of this episode? We are disappointed. Instead, might I suggest you go check out Tiger and Crane Fist, starring Jimmy Wong Yu in a tale of two martial arts schools that have to work together to defeat an invading Japanese force. <laughs> Episode 4 is called Eight Diagram Dragon Palm, and Danny, now in freefall, manages to break his descent on a light fixture but still falls to a small ledge just under that. When he wakes up, he's greeted by the Meacham men and has a tearful reunion with Daddy Meacham. Here we learn that Harold was stricken with cancer, but on death's door he was approached by the hand to whom he essentially sold his soul. To get Danny on his side... Harold instructs Ward to reinstate Danny into Rand, which happens very quickly and painlessly, but Danny's clearly out of his element as he tries to insert himself into the day-to-day -day business, losing Rand millions of dollars in a drug-pricing deal. Colleen now has a taste for fighting and goes back to the cages, but takes on two fighters at once. Fight scene. Again, Jessica Henwick puts on a good show, weaving her way through her bigger, badder opponents, and my favorite move is her headbutt to an incoming punch to deaden the impact and throw the guy off balance. Of course, she wins handily and makes Bank covered in Boku blood. Joy and Danny, meanwhile, do some soul-searching and catch up, which is mostly dull, but we get a few details of Kunlun, which makes it seem like not such a nice place. Fight scene. While chilling out at Danny's temporary apartment, Joy gets abducted by some members of the hatchet-wielding triads. Danny breaks out some of his kung fu, and there's a spirited hallway battle where Danny sort of looks like he knows what he's doing. He does flex the Iron Fist for a brief moment to shatter a hatchet blade, and then it's gone. When he tracks down the gang leader, they learn that Rand bought out one of their properties for the Hand, which makes them instantly back off and apologize for trying to abduct Joy. Speaking of the Hand, 
they pay Harold a visit and take him somewhere where he can observe Joy, who he hasn't seen live in 12 years, as reward for being a good servant. When he notices that Joy's been hit, he asks for one more favor. Back at the triad compound, several hand ninjas walk in and ask for the guy who hit Joy. When the guy steps up, one of the hand buries a sword in his head and they walk out. Business as usual. Turns out that ninja was Harold Meacham. Elsewhere, Danny's working out when he receives a package containing a note from the triad leader and a packet of heroin stamped with a wingless dragon symbol. The big reveal in this episode is Danny's chest tattoo, which comic book fans have been waiting for since episode one. So Danny, what is your message to the writers and producers of this show so far? No one should make a profit off of the misery of others. It's wrong. In lieu of eight diagram dragon palm, I offer you Duel of the Iron Fist, directed by Chang Che and starring T. Lung and David Chang, in a more modern kung fu gangster movie involving the triads and lots of knife fighting. Not so many hatchets, though. <laughs> Episode 5 is titled Underleaf Plucks Lotus, and sets up the nefarious intentions of the hand as manufacturers and distributors of a pure, synthesized heroin that the body can't build a tolerance to. Danny takes upon himself to try and handle it, but he brings Ward in, and of course Ward doesn't buy it. Danny continues to put the company in bad situations that cost them millions of dollars, and there's a welcome addition of Claire Temple, the night nurse from Daredevil, who gets caught up in a clumsy non-date between Danny and Colleen. But the big drama is happening at Rand, where Ward's trying to deal with the latest PR nightmare caused by Danny, and he considers chasing the dragon and deal with his anxiety. There's another four-play sparring session with Colleen and Danny as they prepare to gather evidence of the hand's um, handiwork, and under cover of night, they skulk around the pier to see what kind of shipments they're dealing with. But instead of drugs... What they find is the drug maker, Radovan the Chemist. While in a shipping container on the move, Danny tussles with the chemist's bodyguard, and for a guy who was able to handle a dozen hatchet-wielding maniacs with relative ease earlier, he sure gets tagged a lot by this meathead. And the camera is all over the place here, and with a swinging overhead lamp in play, it's nearly seizure-inducing. During the battle, Radovan gets accidentally stabbed. Danny calls up the Iron Fist, not during the fight, mind you, but to blow out yet another defenseless door so he can escape the container with the injured chemist. They take him to Claire, who patches him up as best she can, and there the three of them form a sub-super team to deal with the Hand. Speaking of the Hand, we see Madame Gao as the shadowy leader of the Hand when she executes her goon for letting the chemist go. Hey Ward, how's the show doing so far? Now you've lost me. In place of Underleaf Plucks Lotus, you are far better off served watching the kung fu classic Fist of the White Lotus which features the all-time great kung fu villain Pai Mei. I covered this movie back in episode 16, so go back and give that a listen to see what you're missing. What is the Pottern family? Hey y'all, it's Juliette Miranda from the Unwritable Rant Podcast. This is Michael Vasquez of the No Sound Bites Allowed Podcast. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob from the Something Something Cast. This is Knock from the Geek Yogurt Podcast. This is Jeff with the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. This is Daniel from the Toe on the Trigger Podcast. This is Dave from the Parlapod Podcast. Hey guys, this is Mike from the Mike Jolet Show. Woo! We're Josh and David from the Scotch and Flicks Podcast. We are you, podcasters coming together in a community to help one another grow. So follow us on Twitter at Potter Family. Use the hashtag Potter Family in your tweets and retweet other people who do the same. Potter and Family, where great podcasts come home. Episode 6 is titled Immortal Emerges from Cave, and is directed by Riza of the Wu-Tang Clan. Riza himself is an accomplished martial artist, so I thought that if anyone was going to get the kung fu right in this series, it was going to be Riza. 
And to his credit, he does manage to bring much of the kung fu feel to this episode, but unfortunately, not enough of the actual kung fu to save it. This episode introduces the spiritual guide element of Lee Kung the Thunderer as he quote-unquote speaks to Danny during his meditations. Meanwhile, across the globe, various people are being invited to some kind of tournament. The first recruits are a pair of Russian butchers. Next, an Asian scientist who's the show's version of the comic book character The Bride of Nine Spiders. Also invited is a Japanese assassin who's fond of singing karaoke over the bodies of his victims. Meanwhile, Joy and Ward continue dealing with Danny's shenanigans on the business side while Joy also tries to address Ward's not-so-secret drug problem. Danny's keeping busy by checking out warehouses in the city for clues as to where the hand might be keeping Radavan's kidnapped daughter. By the way, he's doing this with Ward in tow and driving an Aston Martin, despite the fact that the only other time he's driven a car was to abduct Ward earlier in the series. While searching one warehouse, they find the severed head of the bodyguard that Danny beat up, along with Danny's invitation to this tournament. Radavan is still trying not to die from his stab wounds with Claire and Colleen watching over him. At the side of the tournament, Danny faces off against his foes, the stakes being that if he wins, the hand meets his demands of releasing Radavan's daughter and leaving Rand, and if he loses, he dies, or at least gets out of the hand's way. Not gonna lie here, guys, I was hoping he lost to at least make the series more interesting. Fight scene. Danny first takes on the Russian brothers who like to finish each other's sentences in yet another jump-cut-laden sequence where Danny starts out slow and ends up slower. He gets tagged early and often by the Russians and then pulls a Hulkamania when he hears the voice of Lee Kung reminding him of what he's supposedly destined to do. That flicks a switch and Danny rolls off a quick barrage of flip kicks and punches and the Russians fold faster than a Trump campaign promise. Round one to Danny. Fight scene. Danny gets led to what I can only describe as a dry ice laundry room where Danny meets the bride of the nine spiders who likes to fight in lingerie. Except instead of getting right to fighting, she instead chooses to get up really close to him. Close enough to kill him, mind you, and deliver some crappy dialogue about who Danny really is while seducing him and slipping some poisonous acupuncture needles into his neck. The fearless Iron Fist stumbles around and lets it all happen until the poison starts to take effect. And if Danny's fighting wasn't already slow enough, now it's made even slower by the poison. This was one of the worst fights in this series so far. Danny fumbles and flails until he gets some more advice from Lee Kung, and though he was getting beaten soundly, manages to shake the poison and with one kick, ends the fight. One. Kick. My kung fu inner child died at that moment. Round two to Danny. Elsewhere, Colleen and Claire check Radovan into a hospital where Radovan gets abducted by the waiting hand, but Colleen again gets to show off some of her fighting moves when she takes out one of the would-be abductors. Fight scene. In the final battle of the tournament, Danny squares off against the Japanese assassin Scythe, in Danny's best fight scene yet. Though again, that means very little. Though this fight was actually kind of fun as there were weapons involved and a chase through some scaffolding which harkens back to the Gordon Liu classic Return to the 36th Chamber, which is undoubtedly Arisa influence. There's also a bit of Matrix-style acceptance of being the Chosen One, when Danny breaks out the Iron Fist and actually uses it to knock Scythe out of the tournament. Just as he's about to kill Scythe, Madame Gao produces Radavan's daughter and reneges on the terms of the battle, forcing Danny to confront his sworn duty. Iron Fist backs down as usual, though, and saves the girl, then gets bitch-slapped by Madame Gao, who apparently wields the Force. So, Lee Kung, what happens if I continue watching this Drek? Should you live? former self will be destroyed. Instead of this episode, go check out the other Riza creation, The Man with the Iron Fists, a modern kung fu fable done Hollywood style, but because of Riza's respect for and knowledge of the old kung fu movies, there's plenty of the style and influence of those films here for fans of the genre. And that's about all the Marvel Iron Fist I could take. Because if the Riza episode couldn't spark it for me, 
nothing was going to do it. Now, I've heard that the show got a little better after this episode, but when the bar is set so low, that's not necessarily a height to aspire to. And frankly, I don't know if I'm ever going to see the rest of this season. I think I'll be okay with giving the Defenders a chance and piecing together what happened to Danny Rand to get him there. At least with the Defenders, I'll see all I want to see of Iron Fist without all the background noise that was supposed to serve as character development if the writing wasn't so clumsy and ham-fisted. I got to talk about this show with the guys from the Something Something cast, so go find that episode and give it a listen because I get to vent quite a bit on where this show fell apart for me. In short, it's just filled with odd or downright bad choices that get in the way of what could have been an amazing addition to the Marvel Netflix universe. You can argue that I'm expecting too much of it as a fan of the character, but honestly, I don't think that's it. The writing on this show is fair to middling at best. The pacing is weird, the focus of the story is barely on Danny, and the mythology of how he becomes the Iron Fist is treated as an afterthought that by the time he gets to really peel back the layers, I've just lost interest. And frankly, that happened a lot. I kept falling out of the show because it couldn't hold me the way Daredevil or Jessica Jones did. There were a lot of times in the show where I literally sat up and asked out loud, Wait, what? And then there's the Kung Fu, or the glaring lack thereof. This was Marvel's chance to bring its vision of Marvel Kung Fu to the universe, and it falls very, very flat. You can blame the fight choreographer, or Finn Jones' lack of training, or whoever you want to, but the truth is, the Kung Fu from the Iron Fist is underwhelming at best. There are a few hints of promise here and there, but for the most part, I sat and winced at what was either badly choreographed fights, or poorly shot and edited fight scenes to cover up the glaring ineptitude. Finn Jones is a fine actor, but he is not a Kung Fu superstar. Even when he was doing something as simple as meditative kata, he didn't look comfortable doing it. In fact, he almost always looked like he was counting in his head and spotting the floor for where he needed to put his foot down. The appeal of the old school Kung Fu movies was that the actors were so skilled that they were always aware of where their bodies were in space so that they could twist and turn in just the right way to keep their balance and be ready to set up to pounce into an attack. The 15-year trained Iron Fist practically called out his next punch, or set up a half second too soon to block a yet-to-arrive attack. And if you're going to sell me a Kung Fu superhero, you got to sell me on the Kung Fu part first. As for the superhero part of it, the Iron Fist in these first six episodes is pretty much only good for busting down doors. It's inconsistent, unreliable, and for someone who earned it, can't do anything really cool with it. For anyone using the excuse that he's still learning it, sorry, but he had 15 years to do that. And if you have to beat a dragon to get it, you better be adept at it. That being said, I don't hate the show. In fact, I think it's worse because I just don't care about where the show is ultimately headed. Danny Rand is unconvincing as a sympathetic figure. The Iron Fist is an uninspiring hero. When the Defender series comes around, Iron Fist will be that other character that I hope brings something cool to the group every now and again, because right now I don't much care if he shows up or not. So instead of watching the rest of the series, I'm going to give you a few other films with Iron or Fist in the title to watch. First up is a triple dose of the fictional Chinese hero Chen Zhen, as played by three kung fu superstars. First is the big daddy of them all, Bruce Lee, in his all-time classic Fist of Fury. Bruce Lee plays the student Chen Zhen whose headmaster dies from an illness, but in truth was actually poisoned by a rival Japanese school. Chen spends the rest of the movie trying to prove the school's guilt and exacting his revenge on his students. I talked about this seminal film in episode 10, so go back and give that a listen. Next up is Fist of Legend, starring Jet Li as Chen Zhen in a remake of the Bruce Lee classic. Jet Li brings an entirely different energy to the film and has some legendary wirework fight scenes which went on to inspire movies like The Matrix and Hitman. One of my favorite fights is Jet Li vs. Billy Chow as General Fujita. It's a speed and grace match versus almost superhuman strength and resiliency with a cool adaptation that Jet Li's character makes to give him some advantage over his nigh-invulnerable opponent. 
The sequel to that film is Legend of the Fist, The Return of Chen Zhen, starring Chirrut Imwe himself, Donnie Yen. Donnie intended this film to be a big tribute to Bruce Lee by donning a Kato outfit as part of his characterization. This film has a lot of comic book elements thrown in, so if you want to see how a comic book kung fu superhero should look on screen, check this film out first. Donnie's introduction of the suit and mask during a gunfight is as cool a superhero intro scene as you will see anywhere. That scene, by the way, is on YouTube, so track it down and enjoy what could have been. Speaking of Donnie Yen, he makes another appearance on this list with the film Iron Monkey, another kung fu classic which was directed by Yun Wu Ping, who served as the fight choreographer for Fist of Legend. Donnie plays the father of legendary Chinese folk hero Wang Fei Hung, and the film chronicles some of their adventures with Iron Monkey, a Chinese Robin Hood that happens to be an outstanding kung fu master. This film has lots of wuxia style, ninja hordes, and some incredible scenes, as can be expected from Shui Hark, who produced the film. And I'll wrap up this list with a throwback to the Venom Mob with Flag of Iron, directed by Chang Che for the Shaw Brothers. As with many stories from this era, the plot revolves around rival clans and revenge, but as with all Venom Mob movies, the thrills come during the expertly choreographed fight scenes that can only be performed by the most skilled practitioners of Kung Fu, with nary a jump cut to be seen. Slick outfits, stylish weapons, and some awesome kung fu seem to be a recipe for success. I guess Iron Fist didn't get that memo. I also want to give an honorable mention to the film Five Fingers of Death, aka King Boxer, for being the film that inspired the creation of the Iron Fist character. Comic book creator Gil Kane, quote, started Iron Fist because I'd seen my first kung fu movie even before Bruce Lee one came out, and it had a thing called the Ceremony of the Iron Fist in it. I thought that was a good name, and we already had Master of Kung Fu going, but I thought... Maybe a superhero called Iron Fist, even though we had Iron Man, would be a good idea. Stan Lee liked the name, so I got a hold of Gil, and he brought in his Amazing Man influences, and we designed the character together, unquote. That film, Five Fingers of Death, did indeed feature a mystical chief force known as the Iron Fist, which made the lead character played by Lo Lee, a living weapon whose hands glowed red with the power of the Iron Fist. This film was the one to kickstart the kung fu craze that absolutely exploded when Bruce Lee hit the scene, so if you want to see some real Iron Fist power, check that one out. I covered it in episode 3 if you want to listen along. I asked some of my followers on Twitter to fill in the blanks on this statement. Quote, Marvel's Iron Fist was... And here are some responses I got. Stu of the Films and Swearing podcast said, quote, Decent. I'm looking forward to more. While the guys at the In Session Film podcast said, The worst television I've ever seen. The Wulong Talks podcast called it underwhelming, while Troy of the Comic Confidential podcast called it okay, but had the potential to be so much more. To call this show polarizing might be an understatement. I've also had some spirited conversations with the guys from the Hashtag Blackout podcast, the Whatever Man podcast, and Random Ramblings with Rob, and for the most part we agree, but Rob takes the contrarian stance saying that he thinks they're building up to something with this first season. I can't argue that they're building something, but to me that building needs to be condemned and sent back to the drawing board. Alright gang, that's going to do it for my time with the Iron Fist. As usual, hit me up on Twitter or your favorite social media of choice and talk to me. Tell me if I'm way off base or if you're on board with my assessment. In the meantime, I'm going to queue up some better kung fu films to watch because I owe you a few episodes since I've been away for a while traveling for my day job. Until next time, Poison Clan, peace. Drink a little wine and get a drunk and then we're fighting, ha! 
This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claw I see the iron fist in bunk before the daily prayers Shouting monks on the hands Running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless idea roaming over the land Yeah, the little bitch soldier is older than wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks guaranteed to graze jars Fight for the cars, then pause here But pause, not again, back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but boards don't hit back Yeah, the death jewel's here, Derry D is coming back The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster Bitch had a little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosa McQuan is real fine, but see Maggie show his spine Golden Swallow has arrived Shang-Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight, may as well pick the spot Yeah, the sky goes black, cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all, so stand back He plays the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Manti style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary Pops Welcome to the tea house, belly for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See, it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss. It's once upon a time in China, counting the TikTok. The Shogun assassin slashing blood is just drip drop. The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop. Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins. He's got her majestic yellow, but she isn't the dragon, but in the tea rooms. That's where it'll happen. She got the bodies on the floor. When the blood, it'll splatter against the walls. No fear at all, to kill them all. There's always blood spilled when you head into a war. Fearless, unleashed. The fist of legend that they call Jet Li I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumbling the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink